fluffy and movies hey, and stuff to talk about. Hi, it's the Evo Podcast. It is Wednesday, January 30th. Oh, the end of that? It's the end of January. Yeah. 2019. This is the Media Boat Podcast. If you don't know what we are, we are a show that's dedicated to bringing you news. Yes, you. News about movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Yeah, we got a packed show. Uh, uh, so we're going to get rolling right Yeah, in. we got quite a lot of thoughts to go through. We got thoughts in... Did you watch Rent? I did not. Okay, which we don't need to talk about I that. Ended up not we don't need to talk it. about that. Uh, so we'll roll right into it then. We'll yeah, we got some movies, start. TV, music, and video game thoughts to go it's through. It's true. We have stuff to talk about. So first uh, up. So let, let's roll it right into where we always start. We always start in movies. And we always start in movies with the weekend box office numbers. This week we saw a debut at number one. M. Night Shyamalan's uh, Glass. Rollover. What? That was a rollover. That's not Did a debut. Did we talk about this last week? That was last week. Okay. That's a rollover. Glass is your number one movie. Sorry, not a debut, I guess. Well, I lost a week, apparently, in my memory. <laughs> uh, $18 million, uh, adding to a $73 million total. The Upside is your number two, with $11 million, adding to $62 million. Aquaman, number three, with seven point two. That's at three sixteen now. Domestically, the kid who would be king comes in at number four, seven point one million dollars. And running out your top five. Running out top five, Spider Man. Hey, still hanging around. Hanging out on the web uh, with hundred sixty nine total. Oh, sorry, six million this week. Hundred sixty nine, nice uh, million domestically. So there was one other release this week, Serenity. Yeah. And I remember what that film was. Yes, this is the Serenity that's not the movie based on Firefly. This is another movie called Serenity. Yes, this is Serenity starring Matthew McConaughey, okay. uh, who gets bribed into killing uh, someone, and then like has thoughts about it. Probably the boat's name Serenity, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I remember seeing the trailer for this, actually, and thinking, that looks like a boring-ass film. Because <laughs> all internal conflict, <laughs> like, yeah, no, no thank you. Well, apparently, audiences found it boring too because it's only made it only made uh, four million dollars this week, uh, number eight. Yeah, uh, so that's barely in the top. Matthew McConaughey here. film, yeah. right there. No one cares. Turns out, what's coming up this weekend? You ask. What do you have this weekend to look forward to? One movie, just the one movie, uh, Miss Bala, which is your uh, Gina Rodriguez yes. Uh, vehicle. Yes, this is. I'm a school. I'm a teacher. I'm a. I'm, a, I'm on spring vacation in Mexico, and then I get turned into the drug trafficking, and now I work for the FBI as a double informant. Yeah. Confusing, it sounds like. Uh, but this is also a high-octane action film, if that's what you're into. So yeah. If not, you could be at home with everyone else watching the Super Bowl. Yeah, the big big hits hit next week. But yeah, for now, uh, save yourself a trip to the movies. Just stay home. Yep. Not a whole lot going on here. Uh, but some stuff happened in the awards sphere this week. Oh, big awards sphere. As we roll right into movie news, because you didn't see any of the movies that we just discussed. No. We'll wait for thoughts at the end of the movie. Yes, scene. I did watch films, 
but we'll get, to that, we'll get to that in a bit here. First up, though, movie news. Our first bit is, like I said, about award season as it chugs along, uh, leading towards the uh, end of next month, which, of course, is when your Oscars are. Right, and that's what we're looking forward to. But the next big hit was the SAG Awards. Those are your Screen Actors Guild Awards. Yes, this was on Sunday night. And SAG is really a good predictor on who will win Best Picture. In the past, it has been. In the last three years, however, six, that has yes. not been the case. Yeah, in the last four to six years, yeah. it's gone every other year where Best Ensemble has gone on to win Best Picture. But in this case, uh, lately, <laughs> hasn't the odds have not been in their favor. But here's what, or I guess I should say who, uh, took home some SAG awards this week. What won? What's the... Who's who are the best actors um, that the actors think are best? Well, your best ensemble prize went to the cast of Black Panther. Yeah, that's uh, a surprise yeah. because normally best ensemble goes on to win best picture. Again, like I, you said, not recently, but yes, yes, in the past. Um, I think this is good. I think this is interesting. I mean, it's the definitely probably the biggest prize that Black Panther has taken home so far in award season. Right. I do want to say that this could mean Black Panther I has a shot. So. I don't think so. I think based on Oscar history, in terms of what is one best picture, probably not. Probably not. I think it means... But in be... terms of like a cultural zeitgeist, yeah. I think, yes, it can be considered best picture talk about worthy. I think it's in a conversation. I don't think it's in... My conversation of what I think are the front runners. I think it's in your conversation for top five. Uh, well, yes, by default. <laughs> by default. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't the only thing that won. Glenn Close took home uh, Best Actress, or I guess I should say in the parlance of the SAG Awards, Best Female Actor. Yes. Uh, they, they, they use the actor term for everyone. Yes, they are the all actors. Does it have to be male or female? Uh, but back. yes, this uh, means Glenn Close is a lock. Yeah, to, give, to win Oscar. Give or take. But yeah, it seems like that she's the pick. As is Rami Malek, who took home Best Male Actor. Mm -hmm. uh, still get away from... Well, no, not still away. He was great in it. But um, that will probably end up being the only award uh, Bohemian Rhapsody will win uh, come Oscar season. Yeah, probably. That's, my, that's where my money is, too. Yeah. Uh, Mahershala Ali, Mahershala Ali, there we go, yep. uh, won uh, Best Supporting Actor uh, for Green Book. Yep, uh, we'll actually talk about Green Book in a little bit here. Okay, and Emily Blunt uh, won Supporting Actor, uh, a female actor for A Quiet Place. And that's a surprise. That was a surprise to me. That came out well. of nowhere. Yeah, I watched some of these, uh, by the way. I don't know if you watched the whole thing. I watched most of it. I watched most of it as well. Uh, of the latter half, um, I did see Alan Alda's speech though. Uh, he was the lifetime. Yeah, I saw, I saw that as well. That was a great speech. That was good. That was yeah. really good. It was. It was cool to see see him up there. Uh, but yeah, there's the, the but movies weren't the only focus. Since we're talking about this, we might as well talk about the TV prizes as well. Right, because actors aren't just on film; they're true. on the small screen as well. It's true. Uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel uh, won. Uh, uh, it's you what said, you said. Marvelous Miss Maisel wins Best Actor, actor but I think what you mean. No, 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 <laughs> no. It won Best Actor for Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. Best Actress right. for. Um, 
what's her name? Uh, Rachel Brosnahan. Rachel, yes, Rachel, yes, Rachel Brosnahan. And ensemble. And then ensemble. best ensemble. It swept everything. So the show won those awards. Yes. Uh, also, uh, Jason Bateman won best male actor for drama. Uh, that is for his for Netflix Ozark. Ozarks. And uh, Sandra Oh for best actress for Killing Eve. Yep. Um, those rolled right alongside pretty much the Emmys and everything else. Yep. This is us for our ensemble. Uh, one vote though for drama ensemble. Yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah. I mean, it's always nominated, but never wins. Yeah, well, there you go. So here we go. Of then, course, yes. next next year, it's going to go to Game of Thrones. Probably. <laughs> yeah, when they come back. In, enjoy it while it lasts. This but, is us. But then, yeah, and also, as you mentioned, Alan Alda took home a Life Achievement Award. And yes, gave that speech, as you mentioned. Yep. All right. Well, those were the SAG Awards. But speaking of Bohemian Rhapsody, in which uh, Rami Malek has won the award for. The reason it will not win at the Academy Awards. Yeah, here's the stuff. I mean, we've been kind of... We have had this story going on for a while here. We haven't necessarily dedicated a news spot for it. No. So, uh, this was supposed to... We were supposed to talk about this last week. But there's just so much to talk about. But there is. We can't really... We didn't really fit it in. But... Uh, this is technically a story that dropped last week, although it's a story that's been existed it existed in Hollywood for literally a decade now. Yeah. Uh, uh, director Brian Singer, who, as you know, uh, was fired from the project, but is still credited for directing the film. Right. He walked off set with a month left in filming. Yeah. Uh, he has been accused, uh, I want to say several times, of sexual assault and misconduct against young men and teenage boys. The story uh, recently, though, got an expose in The Atlantic, uh, which has uh, brought this to an even higher degree of, uh, of I guess, eyes on it than yes. ever before. This, though, harkens back all the way back to 2004, where an expose, a similar expose was published about not only Brian Singer, but a bunch of people in league with him and parties that they would have at a mansion that involved several cases and stories of misconduct. And Unfortunately, though... Note that that was in the lead-up to Superman Returns, yes. a film he directed, also starring Kevin Spacey. Right, yes, this was related to Kevin Spacey at the yes. time as well. But uh, one of the things important to note about that story, though, is that it unfortunately uh, was thrown out of court uh, during proceedings, uh, which kind of led... Less less to less credibility about the Brian Singer story as a whole, mm -hmm. which basically buried it for another decade. What you're seeing now is a resurgence of the story. The Atlantic piece does interview a lot of people who are also interviewed back in 04 about similar allegations, bringing them back to light and bringing more credibility to the story as a whole. Right, so, this is 15, 14, 15 years later. So essentially, we're, I call this Brian Singer's reckoning. It's finally <laughs> being... A thing that enough people are talking about where he might actually see repercussions for this. Or will he? I say or will he because another story that hit this week was that you don't have down here, but I might as well mention since we're talking about it. Yeah. He is also attached to the movie based on the comic Red Sonja. Uh, there, was, there was discussion about him being removed from the project in light of these, uh, this, this story going up. No. Uh, the production has instead decided to take Singer's side. He is still attached to that project and will still direct. 
Okay, I know for the upcoming film Dark Phoenix, which is also mm-hmm. on 20th Century Fox, um, since Days of Future Past, which Brian Singer directed, uh, he has been on as a producer. He will still be yeah. a producer on the film, in name only, though. So basically, he's not been removed from any current projects that he is working on, at least that are known. Right. No word on whether anybody has plans on removing him from projects in the future. Right. Also, speaking of Dark Phoenix, huge production troubles on that. Um, yeah. he's, even though um, Brian Singer is not directing it, Simon Kinberg is, and he wrote the previous three X-Men films, that thing has gone through so many test screenings that everyone who's walked out of it has just been like, yeah. no. Yeah. Also, it's gotten moved dates several times. Uh, so where now it's just going to come out in the summer, be a dud that Fox is ready to write off, and then being sold to Disney. Yeah. Not great. No. Uh, but lastly, though, one thing that did get taken away from him, though, is that originally it was in contention at this year's GLAAD Awards, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody being what I'm referring to. Right. But now well, back to the original story. <laughs> but now he will be removed from contention, so Bohemian Rhapsody will not be up for any GLAAD Media Awards. And in case you're wondering, reps for Singer and 20th Century Fox had no immediate comment on the story because, of course, they didn't. Of course they didn't. Because it's award season, they're going to wait until all of that is over before they probably discuss future plans for Singer. They don't want to shoot themselves in the foot no. with any this would be potential awards. Immediately ending your roster campaign, if yep. you did something like that. Which is why I don't think it will win. No. The, for best picture. No, it doesn't have a chance in hell now. Uh, it didn't before, but now it especially doesn't. Yep. And I think, yeah, I think you see the, the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody gets completely shut out except for after. Yeah. That's my prediction. I see Rami Malek winning. I That's actually it. see... I don't... I think Rama is now your favorite. I think Rama is... Is a critical favorite. critical favorite. I think, like I said, I think Vice has a shot. Yes. I think Vice is the alternate pick. But Roma, I still think, is her runner. And this will make the Black Panther win so interesting. It could be. Is that the it kind of opens it up for it, it to actually win? You're right. It does open up as the populist wild card, which Bohemian Rhapsody could have been yep. if it wasn't for this controversy. Wow, we talked a lot about Brian Singer. But yeah, that's pretty much the story is uh, so far. Is uh, we'll the dirtbag is getting his due. Yeah. About time. All right, well, you saw some movies. Not oh, we saw some films. Bags. You saw Green Book. Okay, so uh, I had seen six of the eight nominees. Mm-hmm. I decided to cross out one more on my list. All right. Seven of eight, which was Green Book. Okay. Uh, this film came, usually came out in August uh-huh. or September. Uh, little known film uh, that garnered some good praise and continued with that into award season. Winning um, Golden Globe for Best Comedy and Musical. Yeah. It was really well acted. Okay. I can see why Mahershali won Best Supporting Actor. I can yeah. see if he's even winning Best Supporting Actor in uh, come Oscar time. Uh, he's good in it, but then again, he's pretty much good in everything that he does. That's not surprising. Um, the film, however... Doesn't really do anything new or exciting, but the story it's being told is one of importance. I feel. Okay. Do you think uh, this has a chance in uh, the screenwriting category, for example? Yes, I only say that because I know the history of this film. It actually appeared in the Black uh, 
Blacklist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This film was black and appeared in the screenwriter's Blacklist. Okay. Like three or four years ago. I know this because we look it up every single yeah, time. You always, <laughs> always look it up. Uh, but yeah, um, the yeah. So it's a really well written script. I could definitely see why it had trouble getting produced because there's not a whole lot in this film substance wise. It's pretty much it's pretty straightforward. There are layers to it, but I feel like Black Panther has more layers. Sure. Uh, in terms of like cultural meaning and and conveying that. Um, this film does take is a period piece. It's basically driving Miss Daisy in reverse. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I had, I had heard that comparison before yeah. as well. I don't like I don't like making that comparison, but the more I just think about it, the more it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of um, racial undertones and racial overtones. Sure. Uh, it covers the entire spectrum of that because it does take place in 1963. Um, it's a story I didn't know. Um, I didn't really know this classical piano guy, uh, doctor, as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely an interesting story. Definitely one you should check out um, on TV, though. Nothing to mm-hmm. rush to to see it in theaters. Okay. Uh, like I said, I only saw it because I wanted to check it off my Oscar list. Right. Meaning the only one I have not seen is The Favorite, and I really don't have any plans to see that. I heard it's good. I heard the acting's good. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've seen the trailers for it. I just have no interest in seeing it. Okay. But yeah, uh, Green Book is well enough to check out. I don't... But you're giving it a solid screen it, a stream it. Yeah, so, solid stream it. Yeah. it. Like, it's... Nothing in the film is to, like, write home about, like, Oh, you gotta go for this scene. You gotta go see it because of this acting. Like, right, it's right, good right. acting, but it's because I also expect it from these people, uh, both Marshalli and uh, Matt Mickelson. Yeah. So it's expected of them to to bring their a game. I don't get anything like. I guess there's nothing to write home about. I I can see why it's nominated because it's a solid film. But there's nothing to put it over the top to win for sure. me. Sure, yeah. Okay, but that was not the only movie you saw. No, it's not. So we talked about this movie last week uh, in the, the context of its uh, box office placement. Yes. But now you've actually seen Dragon Ball Super Broly. Yes. Um, so, as I mentioned... Is it a Dragon Ball I don't movie? know if I mentioned this on podcast or off, because you were asking me about it. I was. I think we were talking about it last week on the podcast. Okay. But yeah, this is actual canonization right. of Broly. Broly was a dude you said that that was introduced in the non-canonical seasons and was brought now Yeah, the, 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 the non-canonical canon. movies post-Dragon Ball Z, where they needed to, you know... They wanted to make films about Dragon Ball Z, but you sure. know, not have Akira Toriyama involved. Right. Well, he's, uh, Akira Toriyama is involved in this film. Uh, he canonizes... There's several things this film does really well. Uh, one, it canonizes Broly. Two, it canonizes several characters throughout the throughout the non-canon films. And basically, like, yeah, these are actual canon, canon now. Yeah. Uh, it does several techniques, um, which is basically just Dragon Ball lore uh, being canon now. Um, there's several backstories that are brought into focus here. 
overall, it's a really good Dragon Ball film. It does a lot of stuff right, especially if you're like me and fan of the series and fan of Super as well. Mm -hmm. um, there's And you've seen like all the alternate movies as well, uh, bringing up into this. And just the actual animation and fight sequences are some of the best, if not the finest work Funimation, Toriyama, and Fuji Animation has ever done. Wow, okay. It is spectacular. It is worthy of a big screen. Cool. Fight sequences. Like, I knew, like, they, once they stopped, once Super was done, they put the entire team on this work, and it shows. There's fight sequences, there's, are just beautiful to watch. There's so much like lore and in-depth and like nods and winks throughout the series as mm -hmm. well. And just a lot of like little touches that puts it over the edge. Is this subtitled or dubbed? Both. What? No. Which one? Oh. <laughs> it, it's uh, dubbed. Okay. <laughs> How is it both? Because uh, they actually released the subbed version before they released the dubbed version. Okay. But the version you saw was dubbed. Yes, the version I saw was dubbed. Okay. Okay, so is that a, I guess that's probably a go see it with an asterisk, because you're like, if you have no interest in Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> you probably don't see this movie. Yeah. I have zero reason to see yeah. it. Yeah, oh, you have zero reason to see this. But if but, you're a fan of yeah. Dragon Ball, uh, like you play the video games, you've watched yeah. Super, you're this up to date, this is worth the price of admission. Okay. It's it's well done. Good. It's, it's, like I said, it's the Dragon Ball team at their finest. They actually they took their time on this thing. They've done the research. It's like the fans who grew up watching the Dragon Ball series are making this film for the fans. Right, right. We, it, yeah, it, it's gone through the whole cycle at this point. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you know what that means. Oh, it's time for TV now. It's time to segue right into television. And we always start television with sports. Oh, what you And, of course... This coming weekend is the biggest weekend of sports of all year. Every TV will be turned to CBS. That's right. This game is on CBS. Can't forget. Super so, Bowl 43. The, the reason 53, I bring that up. The reason I bring <laughs> CBS up is because if you're doing trying playing watching this via stream, one, make sure your stream has it. Two um, make sure, even if it does have a stream, that it's not going to be blocked. Right. Because CBS has CBS Sports and CBS All Access, which it will be using to heavily advertise and heavily make sure that that is the only way you're going to watch this thing. Yeah. Because it's CBS and it's the Super Bowl. But technical restrictions regardless. Yes. Most people will be watching the Super Bowl this weekend. Yes. And if you tune in, you will be treated to a halftime show, as we've stated in previous podcasts, uh, with Maroon 5 uh, featuring Travis Scott and Big Boy. Uh, but if you are less uh, excited about that, and uh, there will also be uh, commercials. And, of course, a football game. Yes. Uh, there will be commercials <laughs> galore. Uh, Budweiser has already put up. Their preview commercials. Geico has been running their best of Geico ad commercials for it. Mm -hmm. uh, expect a new Bud Knight commercial. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, oh, speaking of commercials, I know it's not in here, but 
they uh, CBS has actually banned a commercial. This happens every year where yeah, they ban commercials. Uh, this for this year, it is for medicinal marijuana. That's so su- not surprising, considering that that is still federally not legal. Right. Yeah. Yes. But in I would say a quarter of the states, it's yeah, legal. It's getting there. It's getting, it's getting there. there. It's 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 on the rise. But yeah, so they pulled an ad for that. You can watch that ad online. There's nothing really controversial about it. Uh-huh. But it's I mean the CBS is definitely CBS. It safe. Yeah, CBS is definitely playing it safe. Uh, also in football, NFL honors are on Saturday. Yes. Oh, by the way, I don't need to mention it, but it's New England Patriots versus the LA Rams. We talked about it last week, but yes, in case you've been living under a rock. <laughs> yes, it's Los Angeles and New England in the Super Bowl. Yes, uh, it's been media week, uh, out in Super Bowl land. Yes. So, lots of interviews with everyone. You got Gronk dancing, Brady laughing at questions, Belichick <laughs> being Belichick and just being grunted like, uh, one word answers. Yeah, you know what to expect. <laughs> yep. All right, and elsewhere in sports, so yeah, like I said, uh, NFL honors on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they will announce not only the MVP of the league; they'll also do um, offensive, defensive player of the years, and coach of the year. And they will also do uh, announce who is in the NFL Hall of Fame this year, the inductees. Right. So yeah, uh, a lot of football excitement happening this weekend. Oh yeah. And not exclusive to the Super Bowl. But there's more sports to talk about. But there's more sports because in golf... Yes. Justin Rose won this past weekend. Tiger yes. Woods uh, finished 20. Yeah, tied for 20. Uh, <laughs> he was supposed to be the favorite going into this. He definitely was not. And nope. <laughs> so, oh well. Yep. And this was, what the what was this? Uh, Tory Pines. Pines. Uh, one of the first uh, big majors... Or not, not majors, but big big tournaments for golf of the year. Meanwhile, in another sport that you have not listed here, uh, Naomi Osaka. Oh, this is the Australian Open. Australian Open. Uh, okay, got it. Yes. Becomes the first Asian woman to be ranked number one overall after her win. Uh, Novak, Novak Djokovic. Djokovic. Wow. Okay. You don't know who that is, do you? No, I don't. Okay. Beats Rafael Nadal to win also something. Have you heard of those days? No. Okay. Those are tennis players. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Australian Open tennis. Got it. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's uh, big news uh, for Naomi Osaka to be named number one overall. Officially ranked number one overall. Ah. And then, uh, yeah, Nadal basically choked against Djokovic. Hmm. He's, I say choked just because he beat him in like three straight sets. Hmm. But you know they're both they're like the one and two top tennis players. So to, to say you choked isn't really like yeah doing it much. <laughs> uh, also in sports though, meanwhile in hockey. Oh yeah, so uh, so I've been saying that the NHL All Star Weekend is coming up. Well, it was last week. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not coming up. It happened. <laughs> it happened. Uh, but in case you were paying attention to that, the All Star was this past weekend. Yes. Um, and there was a uh, female hockey player uh, represented in the in the the, the, the event, Kendall Coin Schofield. Kendall Coin Schofield uh, competed in the fastest skater competition. Yes, uh, uh, she is clocked in as the fastest skater for the for women's hockey. 
So she decided to race against the men. She played sixth. Not bad. That's pretty um, good. Uh, uh, also, uh, according to Twitter, uh, Gritty was apparently the fastest mascot. Yes. <laughs> and Gritty had a lot of fun there. I don't and know if you saw it. Was pretty easy to have the joy her, him. Yes. Did it? Themselves. Do I have another player on there? You do not. Okay, cut off then. Yeah. Uh, there was another uh, female hockey star okay. who was on there doing the pass and shoot competition, precision uh, passing okay. competition, who was the fastest out of beat everyone. So she won the $25,000 prize. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And then also, um, because we're locals here, yes. goalie for the Anaheim Ducks, John Gibson, it was an all-star for some reason. I say this because he was scored on seven of nine shots. Oof. Yeah, seven of nine shots. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, the Pacific ended up losing that game ten to one. You know, with seven of those coming from one guy. That would make sense. <laughs> one goalie mistake. <laughs> but yes. Uh, so yeah, hockey happened this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, which means we're halfway through the season. Yeah, I guess so. So uh, if you like the hockey, you tuned into that. But yes, as uh, most of the sports world will be obliterated by football this weekend, there's not a whole lot else to talk about. Unless you've got something else. Nope. I just wanted to note those competitions. But yeah, it's going to be Super Bowl on Sunday. And then we don't have to talk about football for another two months. Yeah. Only two months. Well, yeah, because that's when the draft is in April. So uh, we'll return to that when it's proper. In the meantime, there's television news to talk about. Oh, yes. Actual TV news. <laughs> so, yes. First up, uh, speaking of, we're not done talking about the Super Bowl because we have another story about the Super Bowl. Oh, yes. Before we move on. So, you know Maroon 5 performing. We do know that Maroon 5 is performing. Uh, but what we don't know is exactly what they're going to be performing. They have a lot of hits. But if the internet is to believe... There may be something else uh, in there, uh, the repertoire, from a certain yellow sponge. So, uh, as we noted on here, Stephen Hillenburg yes. passed last year. Right, the, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants. Well, there's been an online petition, in the meantime, to honor him at the Super Bowl with a performance of Sweet Victory, the song performed uh, at a halftime show <laughs> in the show in the episode Band Geeks. Yep. Uh, this, of course, being the episode where uh, I believe Squidward is trying to impress his rival Squilliam by proving that he can uh, organize a band, like a real band. Uh, and this is involves SpongeBob and Friends as a symphonic band of sorts, uh, who are really terrible uh, for most of the episode, with, uh, with uh, Patrick specifically even asking at one point if mayonnaise is an instrument. In a classic line. My favorite. This line. is a classic <laughs> classic Spongebob episode. But yeah, I end up uh, pulling it together by uh, pulling together a crazy, uh, like, <laughs> amazing performance at the actual show that blows Squilliam's mind. It's a fun episode of the show. Uh, but yeah, and a memorable song. Uh, so yeah, people online want to see Maroon 5 take a crack at it. Uh, the petition online had garnered one million hits. That's a lot. One million signatures. Roger Bumpus, the voice of Squidward in the show, has confirmed on his Facebook page that he'll be introducing the halftime entertainment in character as Squidward. So this is lead, this is something that leads credence to the theory that if this is happening, well, there have 
Squidward on the field might as well commit. Uh, so, that's not the only uh, proof that this might actually be a thing. Uh, one minute promo vids that came out from both Maroon 5 and the Mercedes-Benz Stadium social media account, uh, which is where the game is taking place. Yes, in Atlanta. I uh, have both shown references to Spongebob. There are currently several prop bets on whether Maroon 5, you used the wrong weather there, uh, whether Maroon 5 <laughs> will perform the song, uh, and if a Spongebob costume or inflatable will be used, or if Spongebob will take a knee. And uh-huh. this is where it actually gets interesting, because Vegas will not make a prop bet if they don't think it's actually going to happen. These things could happen. So, the fact that there's even, like, talks or that Vegas has actual odds on this means it's more of a possibility than you may think. Yeah, these things could happen. Whether it's actually going to happen, we'll see. Whether it's just going to be the introduction, or if Sweet Victory will actually be played. I could see them doing, like, like starting to play it and play it for, like, 30 seconds and then move into a Maroon 5 song. Just yeah. at the beginning. I could 100% see that's how they do this. Because if you're introing it with Squidward, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, have it, Squidward do the intro, you do the bit with the horns, and then you go into Sweet Victory, and then 30 seconds later, Rune 5 does a Rune 5 song. You're right. I think that's how they do this. It makes sense. You don't do the whole thing, you just do a quick 10 seconds. Because yeah. the pole performance is only 12, 15 minutes, 15, 12, I think, 15 minutes? Give or take, yeah. So, so, yeah, not a whole lot of time, and they have a right. lot to get in with both uh, Big Boy and uh, Travis Scott. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of... I guess we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, speaking of other bets, because of the Super Bowl, Vegas accepts all bets, including bets on the coin toss, overtime, uh, flags, touchdowns, who will score first. You can make any bet you want in Vegas. Go go crazy. Yeah, pretty much. It's been fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up in television news, uh, Fox did a live performance of musical Rent. Yes. This live. Saturday. Did you watch it? I did not watch this. I was... We were thinking about watching it, then we decided to watch the SAG Awards instead. Uh, or wait, no, that wasn't the same night. Yeah. Was that the same night? That was the same night. Okay, yeah. Then we were watching the SAG Awards instead. And then I think we watched something else after that. So no, we did not watch Rent. So I put Rent on for the first five minutes. Because I was eating dinner. Then I finished, and I immediately switched it. I think, I think actually yeah. Red Dead went on. Well, apparently oh, no, no, that's right. No. I turned on the countdown for Kingdom Hearts that, that time. Because that was at 9 o'clock. <laughs> well, uh, that oh, no, that was probably is a good thing that we didn't watch the whole thing. Because it looks like that wasn't even the actual live performance. Instead, it was a dress rehearsal. The reason being, one of the lead actors in the live production of Rent broke his foot <gasps> while running downstairs to do their final quick change during dress rehearsals on Saturday night. Yes. So, so for those of you yeah. that don't know... They actually film the dress rehearsals in case something does happen. If something goes wrong where they can't actually film live, that way they have this as a backup that they can broadcast. However, they did eventually go live. They went live after the last commercial break. Yes. So once they caught up, I suppose. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the soundstage was filled with 1,200 audience members who instead had to watch the cast performing a staged concert of most of the rest of the show. They went live for the finale of the show because they didn't have that on tape. Because he broke his foot leading up to that event. Yep. Uh, there wasn't an understudy for his role, so there was no way around this. Pretty much just a technical disaster, though, because as I could understand uh, from television audiences, 
they couldn't tell the difference. Um, it seems like I did hear some feedback about people talking about it having a dress rehearsal air to it, but that was before this news came out. Right. So I don't think most people watching this thing knew that it was not as live as it was performed. Well, when you do dress rehearsals, it's a it's basically going through the full run of the production. And it's also live to tape, which so people, especially on the West Coast, where it wouldn't have been live ever, yep. wouldn't have known the difference even if they it did have gone. Even if they did go live. Unless they were planning to do a both coasting, but I don't think they did that for this one. No, I don't think they did. Yeah. I think it was like, you know, shoot. I think the NBC the ones, they do the both coast thing. I think the NBC. Yeah. No, well, this was four I hours. They did. Three hours? Maybe not. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, like. Things, things happen. happen. Things happen. Live, live TV goes, goes cranky sometimes. Yeah. For sure. So, and this is why you do that, because you never know what happens. Yeah. And so, yeah, they had something, uh, they had a solution in mind. They did the solution, and yeah, most TV audiences probably didn't even know. So, yeah, not much news here, just just a fun little, or I guess not fun for the dude who broke his foot, no. but, uh, but interesting anecdote from the show. But that does it. Yeah, but I didn't see it, so we can't really comment on like how well it was produced or whatever. But so yeah, that it happened. That's it for television news. Okay, so do you have any thoughts then? I did not watch any new television this week, uh, besides those sags. So uh, you did watch the MCU Universe, though. I did watch that, but that's old news at this point. Now that's old news at this point. Yeah, we we already talked about it. When we were talking. Okay. We talk about it. Plus, we really can't say anything about that thing without spoiling. Well, no, you can't. Though, it, yeah, I will say it was very well produced. I, it has some of the best animation the show has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it definitely, if you care at all about that show or the lore, uh, you should definitely make sure you watch that because it definitely has long-lasting implications about the theme, like the theme at, like the thematics of that show and, like, what certain characters are and everything. It's very, very different. Well, speaking of long-lasting impact of show, okay. we do have something to talk about. Okay. Uh, this past Thursday was the season finale of The Good Place. Oh, yeah, 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 the season finale of The Good Place happened. So, we can talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that briefly. I thought it was a really, really interesting way of ending the season, and a way that they hadn't done before. I wanted to throw my remote through the TV. Yeah, it's like, usually how The Good Place is done things, at least for the first two seasons, uh, season finales, is that they leave a cliffhanger, uh, that is world-altering. This time, they didn't really do that. Instead, it's not world-altering, because they already did the world-altering thing, like, two episodes prior, so they couldn't do that. Instead, they did something character-altering, which, again, changes up the status quo of that show. So they're able to do something completely fresh and, like, completely out of nowhere, and still something different than than they've done before with the show. It is quite amazing that the show can keep me on my toes and not... And basically throw the status quo out the window saying, anything that you think is going to happen, no, we're not doing that because this is not a cliche show. This is a fresh comedy that doesn't, that has no formula to it. Every every show is unique. Every show is different. Every episode has its own ups and downs and themes to it that weave through this really larger interconnecting story. And it's, fascinating so yeah it's anybody's guess how they'll approach this uh with next season 
it just sucks we have to wait. <laughs> but yeah, I, I firmly think though, like I'm thinking, like I don't know, it's a toss up for me between which ones are which one is their Emmy uh, consideration, or if they submit both and hope to get nominated twice. Oh, the, the the Darcy for, like, one writing, yeah, because yeah, yeah the, the one with the, all the Janets. I think I'll it's, say, it's, 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 it's really kind of strong, Janet. but this one might be the best one. Yeah, the season finale. It's just that they do stuff with characters that I didn't think they were capable of. Also, it made you, it's one of those episodes where you realize, oh wow, I am actually invested in these characters more than I thought I was mm-hmm. on this comedy show. On yeah. this usually very lighthearted, silly, like absurd show, they actually like remind you, oh no, you actually care about this relationship, here's why. Oh yeah. It's very, very cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's it for television. Okay. Which means it's time for cancellations and renewals. All right. What got canceled? Uh, we do have a cancellation, uh, but it's among a bunch of uh, renewals. Uh, suits on USA, the long-running Suits. Uh, it's still running, apparently. <laughs> has an upcoming ninth season. Yeah, nine. Yeah. I believe that. However, nine seasons will be it because canceled after that season will end. So yes, USA will not be bringing back suits beyond the ninth season. So no tenth season of suits. So so no supernatural. We're just gonna keep running this thing. No, no. They know when it, uh, it's it's it run its course and it's done after this coming up season. F is for Family on Netflix will be renewed for a fourth season. Uh, that is a wonderful show about not so wonderful people. <laughs> Uh, She-Ra and the Princess of Power, uh, also on Netflix, gets a second season. Right, this is from this is from the same guys that brought you the Voltron series. Yes, FBI on CBS gets a second season. Magnum PI also on CBS, the reboot Magnum PI also gets a second season. Mm-hmm. The Neighborhood also on CBS gets a second season. So yep. a lot of returning CBS uh, uh, dramas. Uh, neighborhood is a comedy. The neighborhood is a comedy, but okay. So yes, uh, uh, yes. A CBS freshman get get a second get seconds to go. And uh, I don't know why, but God friended me also gets a second season. Speaking of second seasons, <laughs> but we do have another cancellation. Stand against evil on IFC uh, will be canceled after three seasons. So we knew this was happening because yeah. they were all up for contracts. And this is just con- IFC confirming that, yes, we will not be renewing Sand vs. Evil. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's it for cancellations renewals. We do have a couple or a few deaths here. Can you get through? All right. Who's, uh, who's left us? Oh, the, the most unfortunate was uh, James Ingram, age 66, a famous R&B singer-songwriter and a Grammy winner. He won back in 1982 and 85. I've seen a lot of... Um, Stories going out to him uh, this week. Mm-hmm. A lot of in memoriams. Erica Yawn, age ninety, an actress uh, who was also uh, was in among other things, I assume, an American Tale and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And lastly, Steve Bell, age eighty three, was a news anchor, uh, most notably of Good Morning America and World News This Morning. So there you go. Yep. Those are three deaths. Three deaths. But there we go. Into music, which means oh. I get to pass this on to you. And that means we get into the Billboard. Billboard charts! So, uh, we start <laughs> Billboard with the Hot 100. Your singles list. Your singles chart. list. And we have a new leader. We have a new number one song this week. Uh, but, from a familiar face, it is Seven Rings by Ariana Grande. I did not know this was a thing. 
This is uh, Ariana's new song. Uh, yes. came out uh, la- uh, a couple weeks ago now. I guess a week and a half, technically. I guess. It's named after, I guess, a time where she and her friends went to the Tiffany's and she bought her six other friends rings. Matching rings that they all could wear because she's rich. Did you remind... Did, she, did you know she was rich? I, I had a feeling. <laughs> but yeah, that's essentially what the song is. She has a flex. grande lifestyle. It's a big flex about how rich she is. Uh, with a, a chorus that cribs from uh, my favorite things from Sound of Music. These are a few of my favorite yeah, things. Exactly. Borrow uh, tune from that. So yes, no, thank you. That's what Seven Rings is. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> number two is Without Me by Halsey. Yep. Speaking of Halsey, she will be doing double duty on SNL this week. Right, hosting and musical guests. Yep. Uh, number three, Sunflower by Post Malone and Sway Lee. Spider-Man. Off that Spider-Man soundtrack. Uh, number four, another Ariana Grande. Thank you, comma, next. Yep. And number five, Sicko Mode by Travis Scott. Yep, what same old, same You can ex- probably expect to be play at the Super Bowl. Yes, Sicko, Mo- Sicko Mode will be at the Super Bowl at some point. Guaranteed. <laughs> uh, uh, as for your Billboard 200. Your albums. We have Future Hundrix. We had a new number one album this week, folks. Yes, Future Hundrix presents The Wizard. I believe that's probably pronounced Future Hendrix. Future Hendrix. <laughs> You know, if you don't put a vowel, I'm not going to say a vowel. The wizard. Wizard. <laughs> uh, this, this is Future's album. Future. The uh, artist known as Future. Yes. Uh, we knew this would probably be number one when it was announced. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll get to that. I'll listen to this thing. I'll get to that in thoughts. As you do. As you're listening to as every a, number one. And yeah, as we'll get to later. I have regretted that decision. <laughs> Already? Already. Three <laughs> albums in. And... Yeah, I'll get to it. All Anyways. right, number two is Heard It in a Past Life by Maggie Rogers. Yes. Three is Hoodie Season yep. by A Boogie with a Hoodie. Hoodie. Hanging in there. Uh, four is Spider-Man by Various Artists. Yep. And five is I Am Greater Than I Was by 21 yes, Savage. Still in there. All right. Um, I'm not listening to any of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, <laughs> I have now listened to two of those. Three. Three? Three. I've listened to three of them? you listened to three of them. Have I? Hoodie season? Oh, right. I am greater than I was. And now, uh, future Hendrix. All right. Get some fr- fresh blood in here. All right. You want some fresh blood? I'll give you some fresh blood. All right. Upcoming this week. What are you listening to? I know where you're listening to, but here are the new releases. There we go. Did it. We have Broods with Don't Feed the Pop Monster. I want to note also that this is not everything, again... How I'm doing these lists is if I recognize the name, I will put it down. Ah. Yeah. So, no no bands that I don't recognize. We have Girl Pool. Yes. With What Chaos is Imaginary. I will be listening to this. The Specials with Encore. Megan Trainer. Yes, that Megan Trainer. Yep. With Treat Yourself. Or, sorry, Treat Myself. By treating yourself to this album. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Kroll with Power Chords. Wait, these, some of these are from last week. This sounds Can like last update week. this? Say anything? Yes, these are... Yeah. I guess I skipped some. Yep. Starting from Beirut is where we pick up back from this to this week. That's what I thought. I skipped a couple. Oh, yeah. So we have Beirut with Gallipoli and Cherry Glazer with Stuffed and Ready. Which I will also be listening to this week. Okay. Well... We're not done talking about the Oscars just yet, no, apparently. No, there's another story about the Oscars. Sorry, 
it was not actually that slow of a week. There were some other things that I could have done, but I felt like this was more relevant because of the heat that was on it. I think you're kind of right. Yeah. So, yes, the Oscars so, have a music component. Yes, uh, for Best Original Song. Yes. Normally, whenever you're nominated, you have to go out and perform that song during the show. It's a tradition. A tradition that I'm glad they have because a lot of the years I'm like, I'm not familiar with this song. Say it's from like a documentary film that I've never seen. Yep. What's going on with this song? And so having somebody actually there perform it um, has one, been a very educational service, and two, has created a lot of memorable moments at the Oscars. The most recent probably uh, being, remember the performance that Common did and his company did for Selma. Right. Remember how big of a moment that was for that performance. Which for, it went that, on to win. For that night. And it went on to win that night. Mm -hmm. I think... You'll have less of those moments if you cut them, which is what the story is. Which is what they're going to do, yeah. apparently. As, uh, I lost my place here, as the only two songs this year uh, that will be sung out of the five nominated songs. At least as of this recording. Yes, as of this recording will be all the stars from Black Panther featuring various artists and Lady Gaga's Sha La La Lo from A Star Is Born. Right. Um, those are the only two chosen by the Academy, uh, by the Academy execs and show producers for performances on the telecast. The other three songs, which are The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns, I'll Fight from the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary, mm -hmm. and When a Cowboy Trades Its Spurs for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, right. uh, would likely be acknowledged but not sung during the ceremony. Yeah, this sucks. Um, I actually liked uh, that last song, mm -hmm. uh, When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings. I thought it was funny and really like poignant and mm -hmm. also satirical in nature, which is very layered for a song. Yeah. Uh, which I, I'm glad it's nominated. Won't win, though, but I'm glad it's nominated. Um, I'd probably say the same for the other two because... They're not the big attractors here. Right. And to cut down on telecasts, I see why they would choose only two. Yeah, I get why, but it's like the frustrating part to me is it's like seems every step in this process of trying to shorten the show and like make it tighter. You're gonna They're cutting stab the things someone. that people love, which is totally the opposite of what they need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yes, people complain about how long the Oscars are. But because of the parts we don't like, not because of the parts we do, mm -hmm. don't cut awards and don't cut performances. Cut everything else. <laughs> you, you know you end up with a bare bones, here's presenter, here's the award. That's all we want. <laughs> I know that's all we want. Because that's really all we need. Yeah, and, and that's the frustrating part to me. Is like you could make a shorter, tighter show if you shorten everything around the awards and performances. You can also shorten the commercial ads. Right. It's like, I think that there's a lot of things that are being considered. They just don't want to cut the, they want to cut the things that they, they that, that they're easy to cut. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, this, I include this because it's a frustration. A it frustration is, I'm frustrated for it. But also because it got some traction on the internet. Not part of the, the story written down here is that a lot of very high profile people, including Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, uh, who would have performed, who would have been uh, a performer and a co-writer on the sh uh, the song from uh, the Mary Poppins Returns, mm -hmm. um, went on to Twitter to his 
millions of followers yes. to talk about how he disagreed with this choice and how he really wanted the Academy to rethink their approach. The fact that somebody as important as Lynn manuel is getting out here talking about this, there is a small chance that sometime in February we could hear about a change about this. That they'll reverb on this and yeah. basically say, okay, we'll have all the performances, we'll fix something else. We can hope. But yes. as of this recording, no word out from the Academy about changing this, but we'll see. I hope they do. Also, I don't think he would say as much if he right. wasn't specifically nominated. Right. But I don't know. He, did, he said in the tweet, he did mention he's saying this as a fan and not necessarily as well, yeah. an award nominee. So he wanted to make it clear that, no, he's saying this because he believes it's important, not because he wants a fair shake. Well, yes, we can say that. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> we can say that. But, you know, the fact that there are three words basically glaring in your face there. Yeah, for sure. But it so. is, is hard to ignore. Yeah, but the, he wasn't the only person. This just is, yeah, it's just an unfortunate circumstance. And I hope the Academy keeps this in mind. Speaking of an unfortunate circumstance, yeah. Kanye West. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I debated about going uh, doing this story, but I think it could potentially be interesting down the line if it happens. Well, uh, this will be interesting because on Friday, Kanye West filed a pair of lawsuits in an attempt to extract himself from his publishing and label deal, deals, one is against EMI, uh, publishing uh, with whom he signed in 2003, and it's now controlled by Sony ATV. And the other is against Universal Music Group uh, company, Rockefeller Records, uh, which was formerly owned by Jay-Z. Right. Uh, Def Jam Records and uh, Universal Music Group uh, merchandising arm, Bravado, uh, as as well. So yeah, this was a lot, but basically what you need to know is that Kanye is suing all the people who have control over his music to basically get that control for himself. This makes sense because he has his own record label, Good Music. Yes. It also uh, makes sense if you can consider that this is something apparently he's been on the record talking about for the last year and a half. I guess uh, somebody uh, dug up a video in which he was talking about, in the aftermath of Prince's death, mm -hmm. the struggle that Prince's estate was having to get all the rights of his music and, of, over the course of his lifetime. Kanye is trying to get, nip this in the bud before he dies. Yes. Uh, Michael <laughs> Jackson famously went out and purchased the rights to all of his right. songs and all of the Beatles catalog so as Kanye well. Kanye probably doesn't have the money to just buy it, so instead he is basically saying, nah... I'm going to sue them until I get my way. He's basically going around, he's basically doing the artist thing of, I am I made this content, therefore it should be mine. Be his. And we'll, we'll find out in a court of law, which is interesting because this has never actually been challenged. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because it's usually solved by this kind of case-by-case -case basis by the artist trying to take forceful ownership. Right, either that or it's normally settled out of court before it even right. gets to a ruling. Or posthumously when the artist's dead. Yep. But yeah, it's uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't really care, to be honest. I see why <laughs> he's doing it. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, he does have a lot of hits to his name, and he kind of wants to make sure and that also, they're in his name. But one of the things I did think about, though, that might have an interesting wrinkle here 
This does not mention future records. This does not mention, for example, the record that we were supposed to get last year, Yondi. Well, and like it, I said, first I thing think... that came to mind to me was: is he having a Lil Wayne style contract dispute that is keeping that record from being released? Ah, I thought about that, but I'm not sure. No, like I said, I think this is him trying to gather everything that he has had a hand in under his own publishing good music group. Yeah, well, whatever it may be, this is not confirmed, obviously. Anything will come out of this, or whether he's actually going to follow through with the suits. So far, this is all we know that he wants to. So, like I said, like we said, these are suits that have been filed. We'll see how this gets played out through this year. Exactamundo. Right. And that's why it's in here. So we'll see. Okay. Now, let's talk some music. Yes. We it's have time thoughts. to talk some music. All right, so you listen to a couple stuff. I listen to a bunch of stuff. Uh, one that I didn't realize that I, that I didn't put on here, by the way. Uh, so there was a, a couple of big surprises last week. Some records that came out of nowhere. A new number one record, which I listened to. And some singles uh, that dropped from some bands we haven't heard from in a while. So let me start from the top. I should probably just get uh, the number one record away. As I have stated um, on this podcast, I am currently doing a challenge for myself where I'm listening to every number one record in the Billboard 200 chart. So this week it was Future Hendrix Presents The Wizard by Future. All right, so right up top, I have never listened to a Future record ever before this. Have you heard of future music? Yeah, I've heard a future song. I've heard future featured on other people's songs as well. Okay. So I knew future. I knew what to expect with this thing. So remember when I talked about uh, last week, with, or I guess two weeks ago now, with Boogie with the Hoodie? Yes. Well, let's put it this way. Boogie with the Hoodie is trying to be future. Uh, right. I think you said that yeah. in your it's thoughts. Like, it's very, very much in that lane. Future was doing it before all these fools. Future, like, is kind of the originator of this kind of specific, like, kind of, like, not quite, I don't know how to describe it. There's no genre name for it, so I have a hard time, like, putting it's it It's not really words. R&B, it's not really rap. It's, it's, it's kind of, like, think about, like, it's, well, he's, I guess he technically raps, future raps. Yeah. But he also does it in kind of sing-song auto-tune tone. So is this like the Beyonce album where you don't know what to make of it? No, it's not like that. It's it's it, You know exactly what this is because it's a very popular form of music now. Okay. In fact, 21 Savage also kind of did this on his record <laughs> and a few songs, although he also actually rapped as well. Uh, so yeah, if you know Future, you know what to expect to because this is a lot of that. And what I mean by a lot is this is the third album in a row that I've ever listened to that has been over an hour long. Oh, these goddamn double albums. They are enormous, and they take forever to get through. But I can report, compared to the Boogie with the Hoodie record, Future is a lot more consistent. He, like, is a lot more... uh, I think he has just more um, musicality in the way he writes. And so there were more times during this album where I was like, okay, yeah, this is interesting sonically. Like, I like what they did here. Like, I like this, like, this flourish here, and I like this, like, weird, like, distorted synth horn in the background of this track. There were a lot, uh, like, more moments where I actually thought about, like, oh, he's saying something interesting lyrically here. Like, this song is about something. 
Like the problem, I, the biggest problem I had with the Pogi Pogi record is that he couldn't decide who he wanted to be. It was like one song he was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to talk about girls. Or next song I'm going to talk about I'm depressed. Future doesn't have that problem. Future talks about a lot of things in a lot of his songs. And it coheres. It's a coherent theme in these songs instead of just being kind of all over the place, scattershot, like the Boogie Bit Hoodie stuff. And even 21 Savage on certain parts of his record. So yeah, Future is the guy that they're trying to emulate. So it makes sense that he'd be a little bit more that he'd have this down a little bit more than they do. The young upstarts don't quite have the consistency that Future does. Well, Future However, has been around for a bit longer. Exactly. However, nothing special here. He's just doing the thing you expect Future to do. There is one song that has like a feature in it, and I don't even remember who it is, so that shows you how memorable that was. Uh, so it's a lot of songs that just kind of run together and sound very similar. Uh, it's very much in that lane. So if that sounds good to you, and that seems to be the case for most people listening to popular music, then cool. Then you have another hour-long record of this stuff to listen to. Another thing, though, that I thought about, and this says probably more about me than it does about music, the music industry as a whole, it made me think about my approach to listening to music and how certain genres maybe just aren't fit for listening to an entire album front to back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that is something I didn't even consider when I went into this challenge for myself. Well, you figured it's an album. It's number one. These, People listen yeah, to it, These right? are not designed, I don't think, to play from start to front to back. I think these are mostly designed uh, to, for singles, to be a generator of singles, which this thing will do. There are a handful of songs I could easily hear on the radio. I don't know if they expect you to slog through the entire hour like I did. And that didn't hit me until today when I was listening to this. That is no, like, comment on the quality. This is a quality product, like, at least compared to the Boogie with Hoodie record, which is trying to do something very similar and largely fails. So there you go. Like, I don't know how much more I can talk about it. I'm not super familiar with it. I'm doing my best, and that's part of this challenge, is I'm trying to do my best to understand these genres that I'm not familiar with. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's my take on it. If you know more about it, then you probably are probably yelling at your screen right now telling, trying to explain to me how good Future is and why I should care about Future. It's like, but at least I get him more than I got the other two records yeah, I listened okay. to. Well, like I said before, off podcast, I think, this is more of a numbers game. They, it is. It's it is. the number of minutes listened to it that puts it into... They're going for the stream numbers. The stream numbers. What isn't going through going for the stream numbers though is everything else I listened to this week. Yes. So we have a return from Vampire Weekend. Yeah, Vampire Weekend. After a six-year break after their 2013 record, uh, Modern Vampires of the City, finally back. They announced their new record, uh, which is called Father of the Bride. Uh, they put out two singles to start, I guess, an onslaught of singles that they will continuously release for the next few weeks. Uh, but we got the first two. We got one called Harmony Hall, and we got one called 2021. Mm -hmm. Did you get a chance to listen to this? No, I did not. You should try it. You should listen to it, because I was very impressed. Yeah. Harmony Hall, especially, is peak Vampire Weekend. It's very, it's just as good as that last record. It's like no time has passed. They picked up exactly where they left off. It even has a callback, a callback lyrically to this, a song off that record. It's very, very good. It's very, very them. Um, it's a five minute long single. Five uh, minutes? Uh, Harmony Hall is. The other one is shorter. 
The other one's more of a mood piece. I didn't like it as much, but it's very it's reminiscent of the kind of the darker edges of that band and like the quieter moments that they have. Uh, so yeah, uh, two really good tastes of what will be a very very what's looking to be a very very good record. So I'm looking forward to that uh, when it comes out later this year. I uh, also listened to Mike Kroll. Yeah, I listened to Mike Kroll's Power Chords. Power Chords. Uh, that's a fun record. Power Chords. Uh, uh, that's a fun record. It's exactly what you think it is if you know anything about Mike Kroll or his genre. He is a, uh, what you call a garage rock artist in the classic sense. This is lo-fi. This is just very simple, like, bleeding guitar sound songs. Just 30 straight minutes of that. If you don't want that, don't listen to it. But if you're like me, and that makes you happy, <laughs> it's really, really good collection of that. And uh, yeah, if you were introduced to Mike Kroll's music via Steven Universe, this is a good time to jump in. He does not have that much music uh, in his repertoire, at least full album-wise. So adding uh, to that is uh, he's an easy artist to jump into and like discover his back catalog. So yeah, uh, yeah, if you like that Steven Universe episode, check it out. Uh, Amethyst is right. <laughs> um, uh, what else and then lastly we have a better oblivion community center so this requires a bit of context uh, this was a who or what is better oblivion community center this is one of two surprise records uh, there's that's this is not the last thing I need to talk about because I need to talk about something else that also happened last week okay uh, but yeah this was uh, one of two surprise releases that came out last week uh, Thursday morning out of nowhere uh, or actually, no, I think it was Wednesday night after we stopped recording, or maybe it was Thursday night of last week. Uh, St- uh, Colbert, uh, on the Stephen Colbert uh, late night, late show? Late the show. Late show with Stephen they Colbert. They show Stephen Colbert, a band uh, comprised of of uh, Bright, uh, uh, Bright Eyes fame, Connor Oberst, and Phoebe Bridgers, one of my favorite. Uh, they have collaborated and created a supergroup that is called Better Oblivion Community Center. They premiered their first single on that uh, on the on Colbert, and then the next morning, their whole record was available for streaming right away. So I listened hey. to this thing, and if you know anything about Connor Oberst or Bright Eyes, it's like very emotional, like uh, kind of folky inspired music. Phoebe Bridgers also makes similar kind of music, so it's a no brainer that the two of them would have hooked up and been like, "All right, cool, let's make a record together." And so, yeah, it's really, really good. It's in that folk, indie, rock kind of vein. If you like either of those artists, this is a no-brainer to check out. So it's very, very good. And definitely probably probably my favorite record so far in 2019, even though we're only a month in. I said we're only a month in. <laughs> Take yourself. But then I also listened to, and I think I mentioned this to, uh, to you off the podcast uh, that I listened to this. I also listened to that Weezer cover record. <laughs> Oh, yes, you mentioned this. Yeah, we need to talk about this, because this is secretly the biggest music news of the week, unfortunately. Yes. Weezer decided to surprise everybody and release an album worth of covers uh, to follow up, of course, their Africa Toto cover that they had released Because everyone loved the Africa song, so they figured, hey, let's make a whole album of covers. Well, they did that, um, to um, various results. Uh, Yeah, it's fine. It's... It's Weezer covering these songs. And the songs they picked are the most middle-of-the-road, like, easy picks that they could have picked. Very predictable. Uh, It's not super exciting because of that. It sounds like Weezer. 
the one weird choice was is they cover no scrubs for some stupid reason. Yes, I saw this one. It's not great, but they do it. <laughs> so yeah, if you uh, have any interest in uh, hearing uh, Rivers Cuomo do karaoke, then I guess listen to this thing. Is that pretty much what it is? Pretty much what it is. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Anyways, that is all I listened to this week. You listen to quite a lot. Oh, I did a lot of music. Um, All right, that's it. Moving well, on. Okay, moving on then to video games. Video games. Oh. We can video games. It was hard to narrow this down, uh, so I do have, like, I didn't put... Oh, you put the big two. I, didn't, I put the big two, but I didn't put the other two bits that I had, yeah. but I'll mention them after we cover the big two stories. All right, well, before we get there, we have new releases with um, War Grooves for PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and the PC. This is a uh, game that is supposed to harken back to the Advance Wars games on the Game Boy Advance. This is supposed to be in style of those, because Nintendo refuses to make new ones of those. Uh, okay. This company has gone and made one of those. Right. We also have Song of Memories with PlayStation and Switch. And it's a JRPG. The Book of Unwritten Tales 2 for the Switch. This is a port of a PC game from a while ago from THQ Nordic. Uh, we also have... Etrian Odyssey Nexus for the 3DS. Yep, another Etrian Odyssey game. And Spike Volleyball for PlayStation and Xbox. Guess what that is? Is that is that booby volleyball? No, it's regular volleyball. Uh, regular volleyball? Yeah, just regular. You're thinking of Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. That's not this. Oh. Booby <laughs> volleyball. <laughs> Anyways. So not a whole lot of big releases, uh... We're kind of in the middle of the release schedule right now. Yes. Uh, Kingdom Hearts already came out, and then Anthem's not until the end of the month, so, yeah. Yep. We're well, into next month, I should say. Well, I'll be busy with Kingdom Hearts, but we'll get to that in a little bit here. Yeah. So, we got to get through news first. Uh, first up is Metro colon Exodus. Uh, the digitally distributed PC version of Metro Exodus is an Epic Game Store exclusive. Surprise! Uh, yes. So, for those of you who don't know, Epic Games has launched, had launched their own um, platform. Yeah, and we had been reporting on the podcast about how uh, companies were making a big deal about putting out exclusive their games exclusively on Epic's platform as opposed to Steam. Yep, well, Epic Games and Deep Silver announced on Monday uh, that the game, uh, which will remain exclusive to the Epic Games Store, for at least the next year, until 2020, uh, where it will sell for $49.99, which is $10 cheaper than its currently listed price on Steam. Uh, for the, That's uh, for the standard version in North America, of course. Um, it's going to be 60 euros in for the European countries, sans uh, UK, because they're still in limbo on whether they're in the EU or yeah, not. Until, until March, technically. Yes. Um, anyways, um, uh, in an update uh, to the sales page for the game on Steam, Valve uh, deci- decided the last minute shift decided the last minute shift from Steam to Epic Game Store was unfair. So mm-hmm. they're actually going to end up honoring all those Steam pre-orders. Right. Right. Um, quote. We think the decision to remove the game is unfair to Steam customers, essentially after a long pre, uh, pre-sale period, and we apologize to Steam customers that we're that that we're rejecting 
rejecting that we're expecting it to be available <laughs> for sale uh, through the February 15th release date. But we were only recently informed of the decision and gave given limited time to let everyone know. Uh, that is yeah. Steam saying that. Basically apologizing that we have this game listed, but we're not going to have this game. So yeah, two important things about the story. The first is obviously it takes place in a bigger narrative about a lot of things switching over to Epic. Yep. Uh, but the big news here is that this is the first time that Valve, using Steam, to actually talk about it, comment about it. Previously, they had been very mum about any of these major games moving over. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that they've actually said something about it, and it surprised a lot of people. Uh, I think the reason being because it does directly impact uh, people on their platform who had already bought it. So yeah, it was a big deal. Well, it's also a big release for PC games. Uh, Metro yeah. is a huge series on PC. The second thing about this, and this is kind of actually an additional story that I saw today, uh, after I, I compiled this news story, is that uh, who actually executed this change is currently in dispute. So, real brief info about Deep Silver and uh, and uh, their relation to the Metro series. Yes. So, Deep Silver, as you may recall, are the the develop like I guess they're a parent company of the developer in this case. But they also have a parent company who, believe it or not, also has a parent company. This tower goes pretty high. So what had happened was Deep Silver was the purchaser under the under a media branch called Coke Media Group. <laughs> Coke Media Group owns Deep oh, K-K-O-C-H, Silver. Oh, K-O-C-H, right? Yes, Coke, yes. Not related to the Koch brothers of political no. notoriety. Like, yeah, not them. Yes. This is separate. They also uh, bought Volition, if you recall, the Saints Row people. Yep. So that's all one thing. But then last year, in uh, February of last year, of 2018, THQ Nordic, the new uh, organization formerly Nordic Games, who bought the THQ name and now is using the THQ name again, mm-hmm. decided they were going to buy back, and using back in quotes, formerly THQ companies, including Deep Silver Coke Media. However... The de- these companies seem to still be delineated to a certain extent because THQ Nordic went on the record this morning saying that they had no hand in this and this was purely Coke Media's doing mm. to change this at the last minute. So basically they were distancing themselves from the move almost as if to save face with Valve and be like, this wasn't us, don't be mad at us. We have other co- We have other stuff probably like Saints Row or like the last year's Agents of Mayhem, that they would want to still be uh, pr- like promoted on um, Steam. That they want to make sure that that relationship isn't tarnished by this. No one would be surprised if Coke Media had was one of the big investors invest to uh, one of the seven investors uh, the Epic. of Epic's big uh, yeah. billion dollar influx. And maybe they had ties to them before the THQ Nordic happen, stuff happened. I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if that all fits together. Back pretty far. But the Epic Store stuff is relatively new, so that wouldn't have been cooking back in February of last year. So who knows? Mm-hmm. It could be any combination of things here, but it's it's re- regardless, it's a complicated story. Oh, it's complicated already. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of things that are not that complicated, <laughs> uh, 
We have another game uh, waiting to come out. Yes. This is a game in waiting. Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. Oh, boy. This was a surprise. Yeah. So, Nintendo decided to surprise, you know, drop a brief trailer. But, you know, whatever. It's not like it's a, one of the biggest games people are waiting for. <laughs> Except it wasn't. No. Uh, so, Nintendo is bringing in Retro Studios to work with Metroid Prime Force producer and start over on game yeah. development. And Nintendo announced Friday morning, uh, quote, we have decided to re-examine the development structure itself and change it. Uh, <laughs> Nintendo ended up saying in a rare video yeah. uh, on YouTube Friday morning. Uh, specifically, quote, We have decided to have the producer, Kensuke Tanabe, uh, work in trust and collaboration with the studio that developed the original Metroid Prime series, Retro Studios in the U.S., and restart development from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard this before <laughs> with Kingdom Hearts 3, uh -huh. but that was not in relation to we're just going to scrap everything we've done. It was we're going to switch over to a new engine. And that was after a year and a half to two years in development already. So yeah, this is bad news if you want to play Metroid Prime. Yes. Because this essentially means pressing restart will put this thing out another two, possibly three years, depending on how long development takes. And that's assuming development will go smoothly. Yeah. As I'm going to keep relating to this back to Kingdom Hearts, because this is a game that people Close, yeah. have been waiting literal years for. Yeah, this this is a tough one, a tough pill to swallow. But it's interesting, and the reason why I included this story mostly, was because this is an interesting moment of transparency from Nintendo, yeah. a company who's rarely, if ever, transparent, especially about delays of their games. This is a company that typically just doesn't talk about a product for years, even if they've talked about it recently, and just lets you guess if it's still in development or not. This is a company that made a Yoshi game, <laughs> but would not tell you its release date until two weeks before it was going to be released. So yeah, I thought this was a really neat thing for Nintendo to finally do, to finally be like, no, fans, we know you're looking forward to this game. We're going to be honest with you mm -hmm. and tell you what happened. Uh, but the other thing about this story is Retro. And the thing that is interesting about this is that Retro is not the company that they used to be back when they made the first three Metroid Prime games. A lot of major staff, major staff, major staff. has left the company since those games shipped. And so... The people who made those games are not the people who may, are making this game. In fact, they're probably more similar to the team that made Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, Retro's most recent release. Right. Uh, but people like those games, so that doesn't necessarily mean that this will be bad. It just means that this may not be exactly who you want working on a Metroid Prime game. A lot of those people ended up working for a different company uh, who put out that ReCore game on Xbox One. A couple ah, years back. Remember that disaster? Yes, I remember that disaster. But yeah, uh, so who knows it's how this will end up. Game. And who knows when this will finally come out. But it was nice to hear Nintendo actually be honest about it for once. Yes, so this, so I put this at 2025 now. You'll see Metroid <laughs> That's late. I'd say probably 2021 if I was to guess. No. No. It's probably a Switch game. It's probably not on the successor to Switch. That's my guess. Uh, It'll be like a like a pre end of console life cycle switch. It's gonna be at the end of the the console yeah, cycle. That's my guess. 
But uh, it sucks for Nintendo because I don't know what else they have. I mean, they have Luigi's Mansion 3. They have Animal Crossing. They have that mysterious Pokemon game. They do have a Pokemon game at some point. They have a um, that that weird-ass uh, mech game at some point. Uh, 2020 will be Mario at the Olympics. Oh, it's not a... Big tier Switch release. It will be. It's a multi-platform thing, and you know it. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Let's uh, uh, before we move out of uh, news, though. Like I said, I have some bits I wanted to address. All right, talk about the bits. First up, follow up to our story about GameStop possibly looking to be purchased. Yes. Well, that story's over. GameStop is withdrawing themselves uh, from the market because uh, basically they reevaluated and decided that nobody would give them the money that they want. Makes sense. Especially going into a questionable future about retail games, considering that the two uh, uh, console manufacturers, uh, Sony and Microsoft, I mean, could very well pull a discless uh, console next time around. It is likely that a retail environment like GameStop might not be able to exist for too much time. Uh, wow, discless console. I know, right? Could yeah. happen. Uh, so that happened. Also, I wanted to mention uh, there's a story out right now uh, that's really interesting. Remember how we reported about the uh, all the, the madness of the Telltale shutdown? Yes. Well, something very similar is happening over at Starbreeze, if you recall. Uh, Starbreeze is the people who brought you... Well, they are most famous for bringing you uh, shooters such as like uh, the uh, Vin Diesel starring uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Back a couple of console generations ago. Yeah. And um, most recently, I think they worked on the, uh, the Syndicate reboot. They had some hands in uh, a Walking Dead action game that came out last mm-hmm. year. Uh, but yeah, there's a story out about them and how they're on financial hard times and how certain things got really messed up in the running of that company. That's out on the internet. Search that if you think that's an interesting. It's very compelling. They're not shutting down, but it's interesting what happened to them. Uh, there's another thing that I don't remember offhand. Uh, I'll, I don't know. If it comes to me, I'll say it. But yeah, other than that, I just wanted to kind of do some story cleanup with those two. Okay. Well, now it's time to clean up everything here. Because it's Guys, thoughts time. You played a video game. Now, played a video game. Are you going to talk about it now? Or, I mean, Here. Do you want to, uh, it's already, we're at an hour 22. Do you want to talk about this now or do you want to do its own podcast? We don't have to do its own podcast. Okay, so we're going to, we don't want to. So we're going to have to do its own separate podcast (laughs) because I will talk about this thing when I have completed the game. Yeah, okay, fair. That makes sense. All right. But I will give my first impressions. You've been talking, you've been playing at long last. Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay. So, the reason why we're going to do a separate special podcast is because I have a lot to say about this game. <laughs> More than I thought I initially would. Yeah. Uh, the name of the game is Variety. I and there is a lot of variety. I have heard some things about this game. Yeah, so, uh, the name of the game is Variety. No, the name of the game is Kingdom Hearts 3. 3. But it's also... Yes. There <laughs> is a variety of attacks. There's a variety of movesets. There is a variety of gameplays. There is just a little bit of everything in this game, and yeah. I love it. From what I also understand, there's a variety of graphical quality, too. Oh, but... I, I, I run into that, <laughs> that problem while streaming. Yes. Um, yeah, if you stream this game, your frame rate's going to drop. <laughs> but also, like, 
It seems like there's a strong chance that they may have finished parts of this game a long time ago. Oh, yes. And then some not that long ago. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, as, as I said, this game has been in development for literal years. And it shows. And it definitely shows. Um, I will say that the choice to stick mainly with CG World is fantastic. That's smart. It is smart because the quality of the graphic quality for Kingdom Hearts now matches with that of those uh, recent animated films. Yeah, they're essentially to the point where they are doing real-time graphics about the same quality of Kingdom Hearts 1 CG cutscenes. Yes. That's about what we're getting. Yes. And I remember me, little me, 12-year-old, watching it, the, the see those CG cut things and cutscenes and thinking, if they ever make a game yeah. where it's just those cutscenes, but you're able <laughs> to play those graphics. Well they did. Well, that's essentially what it is. <laughs> Twelve year old me will be super will be super happy with this game. No, twenty something year old me right now is really happy with this game. Yeah. Uh, I had a huge smile on my face opening this game. Uh, hitting play finally to start it. And I hear the gummy ship is back. The gummy ship is back. The gummy ship is actually improved <laughs> upon. I somehow doubt that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's really good. In fact, um, earlier, uh, I went and just solely did gummy ship missions. Gross. I didn't stream it, but. Disgusting. Um, it was just gummy ship missions because <laughs> they, were, they were fun. This is a fun game. Uh -huh. There's a little bit of something for everybody. This name of the game is Variety. Um, you can spend... The reason I've taken so much time is because these worlds are three-hour campaigns each. Oh, Lord. And there's like, I think, eight Disney worlds in it. <laughs> so that's 24 hours in just the Disney worlds before you get to the actual gameplay, like, story of Kingdom Hearts. So you've done, like... You've done, what, like Toy Story now? I've uh, done Tangled, 17 hours Hercules. <laughs> I've done, yeah, Tangled, Hercules. Um, and Toy Story. And Toy Story. And Twilight Town, technically. Uh, so, yeah, I've only done the first four worlds of this game. There are another four for me, probably five or six, actually, for me to go through. Mm -hmm. And those are at three hours apiece. So, granted, I have another... Let's say easily thirty hours ahead of and me, and that's just the story stuff. That's not being like going back and doing the thing you do, which is cleaning up all the stuff and grabbing every little single thing. Hundred percent of it. Yeah. Yes. That's so not you've got a that. lot of Kingdom Hearts left. Yes, I do. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> one thing that I've heard um, uh, a little bit of a, a controversy among fans is uh, the the way it delivers its story. Okay, yes. Uh, where people are talking about, like, there isn't a whole lot of Final Fantasy in this thing anymore. It's mostly just the established original Kingdom Hearts characters. Yes. And the Disney characters. And not a whole lot of cameos from Cloud and Friends anymore. No, because they don't need it, need it anymore. They don't need that bump. They don't uh, need the Final Fantasy bump. But to a certain extent, don't you think a lot of people were sold on this concept back in the day because it had harkened back to all those Square games? Yes, because they had a lot of impact to get it sold, to get people yeah. into this franchise. And by the way, Square, I say, I'm saying Square on purpose because, believe it or not, 
They weren't even Square Enix when the first Kingdom Hearts Oh no, they were Square Soft. That is insane for me to think about. They were Square Soft. But yeah, anyways, that's how long how long this franchise existed. But anyways, yes. yeah, so like I saw a lot of people complaining also about like some of the cutscenes feeling old in like PS2 kind of ways, where it's like just the voice acting just is like weirdly paced and edited. It, yeah, I can see that. But that's mainly yeah. because they're all cutscenes. There is no more yeah. dialogue bubbles where you can skip through. No, right. They're right. all cutscenes. They're all voice acted because that's Everything the budget for it. Acting. Everything is voice acted. Even when you go and talk to like some of the random people there, those are voice acted as well. No gone are speech bubbles. And I'll deeply get into all of this. In I a know, full, in-depth Kingdom Hearts deep dive thing we'll do when so, I complete the game. So I guess the, the only remaining question I have uh, is, does this live up to your expectations? Because keep in mind, it's been a very, very long time since Kingdom Hearts 2. And since then, there's been a lot of other Kingdom Hearts games that have either made people more or less excited about the prospect of another proper sequel. Does it earn its place as a true number three in this franchise? Or is it really just, eh, we took some of the things we learned from the spinoffs and we made another game that's like those spinoffs, except we called it three. It's been a while. Yeah, which one is it? Is it Kingdom Hearts 3, like capital, all capital letters? Or is this, they could have put this out as another spinoff and just never put out three? So... I'm actually in the off-branded base camp where I consider Kingdom Hearts 3D to be Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, Dream Drop Distance. I consider that to be Kingdom <laughs> Hearts 3. Well, you're wrong. It wasn't. Yes, I know. <laughs> this is. But this is actually Kingdom Hearts 3. So, like, do you think it earns that title? Like I said, I haven't finished it. But so far, okay. what I've played, what I've gone through... I am severely enjoying, and it's... Severely. Severely. Just <laughs> a weird word. Anyways, weird you're enjoying choice. it. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm okay. heavily enjoying it. Uh, it's living up to my severely high expectations <laughs> of what Kingdom Hearts is. Okay. Fair enough. And like I said, we'll get into that more, but we're already at an hour and a half, so let's plug away I here. Know. All right, well, we'll talk about more of that uh, uh, later. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to hear us talk about other things, like a whole other episode of this podcast and more to come, you can tune in on Wednesdays as we go live with our podcast every Wednesday night. Uh, you can find us on YouTube if you want to watch us live streaming. Subscribe to our channel and you'll get notifications when you're live. Uh, when we're live, I should say. Yep. So that's exciting. If you want to hear the audio version, you can also get in that. We're on Apple Podcasts as well as any other RSS feed driven podcast store. Just search Media Boat Podcast and you'll find us. If you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at, at Media Boat Cast. We're on Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast and you'll find our page. Uh, like and subscribe, or like and I guess comment on that too. Yep. Um, we also have twitch.tv where he's been streaming some Kingdom Hearts. Twitch.tv slash Media Boat is where you can find that. And then lastly, if you want to donate to us, uh, as little as a dollar a month can help us. We still don't have any donors. Any donors would be welcome. As little as a dollar a month can help us make better content and exclusive content for people who donate. So check that out at Patreon, patreon.com slash media boat. Yep. Uh, the next two worlds I'm going through are Monstropolis and Arendelle. 
Oh, I want to see Frozen World. I know. I, I hold off. I'm sad for Frozen World. I, I saw that. And I held yeah. off on going to that, so I went back and did the gummy shit missions. That's why. All right, cool. Hey, uh, we'll see you guys next week. In the meantime, yep. This thank you for tuning over. in. Over. He's gonna go home and play more Kingdom Hearts. I'm gonna probably do the Frozen World now. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.